All right, let's do this. We have Magic Story for March of the Machine. My name is Kevin, and you are listening to Poor Man's Lore, Episode 5. Let's just dive right in. Uh, Just, you know, a little recap at the beginning of my intent here. I would like to do an episode, I think, every day for the next, well, from now until the 27th, which is going to be 18 stories cut up between however many days that is. I want to say it's like 10 or something like that, maybe 11. Uh, so today we have main story one and two. Again, we don't really know the the breakdown until the end, but currently I'm looking at and have read stories one and two of the main story for March the Machine. Uh, let's dive into one. So episode one opens basically where the Phyrexia all will be one arc left off. We have Kaya, Kaito, and Tyvar in the heart of New Phyrexia with Elish Norn and all of the newly minted, completed planeswalkers. And Elish Norn begins in Elish Norn fashion by basically monologuing about how good it is to be Phyrexian and Elish Norn and just what, what a great day she's having. And she doesn't even, interestingly in this, she doesn't even refer to the uncompleted planeswalkers by their name. She just calls them like the big one, the little one, the largest one. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, you know, look into her perspective, but she starts off by saying, Hey, you know, join us. Uh, it is on and popping to be a Phyrexian. So come on in. They say, fuck off essentially. And then it's interesting because the invasion kind of already started, but this part of the invasion is a bit more personal, it seems. Essentially, from here, Elish Norn, the broader arc of this story is she sends all of her completed planeswalkers off to do her bidding, but before that, a bit of business to attend to. She restrains the three remaining planeswalkers, well, Nahiri does for Elish Norn, and basically says, I'll let you go. Uh, if you're not interested in joining Phyrexia, but you need to go and warn the others about the glory of what's coming. Uh, strange move, arrogant move. I don't know why you don't just complete them right now. I mean, I think it's fair to acknowledge that, you know, we got Kaya, Kaito, and Tyvar, none of whom are extremely powerful, I feel like. I guess Kaya's probably the most powerful of the bunch, but I mean, she got, she got Nessa, she got Jace, she got a Johnny even. I mean, like th- those are more of the more powerful planeswalkers, I think. But anyway, let's, let's the other three go. Um, eventually they slip out and they planes walk away and we'll in episode two, we reconnect with them to see the immediate aftermath pun of that. But from here, uh, the other order of business is Shieldred. So we have, uh, Shildred basically on a slab, not totally clear how she got there. I think it might've been, you know, there was that little note about like how the Phyrexians were kind of having a civil war, uh, in the midst of the invasion into new Phyrexia. And it seems Shildred has not won that because a Johnny steps forward and at Elish Norn's command decapitates her, uh, not before she gets a couple more, you know, very pithy, uh, you know, pointed little remarks at Elish Norn, but, you know, gets uh, gets decapitated by a Johnny's big Phyrexian axe. And then from 
uh, from there, everyone, <laughs> it's, it's in, an interesting detail where they go into, you know, the atmosphere of New Phyrexia, you know, specifically Norn's, uh, you know, little corner of it where you have a whole congregation, like strong kind of religious undertones here where you get to see what Elish Norn's Phyrexia is all about. There is no silence. There's always at least a low murmur of people chanting and praying. Uh, so, you know, that was a, a fun little detail. But then Elish Norn calls for quiet and starts going down the line and saying, okay, it's time to dispatch the planeswalkers. So she she says, uh, you know, Nahiri, where were you born? And Nahiri says, Zendikar. And interesting that Nissa, you know, is not included in this. But then she does call to Nissa, who at this point I think is controlling uh, the world tree, the twisted world tree realm breaker. So I think she's the one that's, you know, twisting the branches to where they need to be for an invasion and where the planeswalkers would need to go so the Elishnorn can observe them. Uh, Nissa is like, ah, yes, Zendikar, I know it well. And then shows Elishnorn some elves, and Elishnorn is like, yeah, uh, okay, anything else? And here he goes, no, not the fucking elves, I want to see the Skyclaves. Uh, and she basically says, yeah, this is a cool, you know, Zendikar nuke, I can go there and, you know, get, get stuff going there, launch the invasion of Zendikar there, and she says, wonderful, go ahead. So, off goes... Nahiri, and then uh, one of my favorite parts of this is uh, Luca is next, and actually I forget. Does let me let me read this real quick because Luca, yeah, okay. So so Nahiri goes, and at at that point uh, Nahiri steps out, and it's interesting because in like the more recent stories, uh, you know, I've been noticing at least that they give a little characterization to how the planeswalkers planeswalk, and so I guess Nahiri's is kind of like the sound of some rocks, like a, a powerful bang, and with that and all of that distraction, uh, our three hero planeswalkers make it out and uh, assume they planeswalk away, which is interesting though because they couldn't do that before, so. I guess they must have scurried up to the top, maybe, or Norn... I guess Norn did kind of let them leave at that point, but... Anyway, I'm gonna just read from the from the page on this one. Uh, Elish Norn's talking to Luca and says, Luca, how will you bring the glory of New Phyrexia to your home? And Luca says, Oh, revered mother, I will bring it to heal. And she says, specifically, Luca, how will you bring it to heal? It's just so Luca to be like, Luca, how will you do the thing? And he says, yes, I will. She's like, okay, right, but but specifically, how? And he goes, all right, you know, so so he's going to com- uh, corrupt the monsters and then assume that he, I assume he's going to, you know, go to Dranith. I think what's actually going to happen, he's going to go straight to Dranith because it is interesting, like, the Planeswalkers retain a bit of themselves in this. Uh, we have a really interesting moment with Tamiya where this is more uh, shown off, which we'll get to in a second. But let's see. After that, uh, yeah, Luca leaves and Tamiya goes like, you know, he's not really too bright, is he? And uh, basically, Elish Norn says, yeah, you know, like, worst case, he goes to Ikoria and dies. Uh, best case, he goes to Ikoria and brings it into fold. Either way, like, who the fuck really cares? So, uh, from there, 
it is Tamio's turn, and of course, Tamio is from Kamigawa. Nissa shows Kamigawa, and we get some really interesting characterization that really frames this moment of, you know, someone ordering from a food cart, a mother walking with her two children, giving them each a little piece of candy to the point that she doesn't have any for herself. And, you know, Norn in the Phyrexian perspective is, oh, how little all of this matters. But, I mean, that's like the beauty of everyday life, which I think Tamio, the real Tamio, has some appreciation of. And, you know, Tamio's watching all of this happen. And interestingly, her it says her grip tightens around an ironbound scroll. Now, notably, she has those four scrolls. That's like one of the big things that Phyrexia has is we don't even know what's in half those iron scrolls. We know one of them she used to imprison Emrakul in the moon. I think one of them is the, I don't know if it's the same one or a different one, is the story, because it's powerful story magic in the Ironbound Scrolls, the story of Sarah's plane collapsing. And uh, we see Tamio hesitate because Norn starts questioning, you know, uh, did you love Kamigawa? And she says, I did. And a uh, fun little moment here. She goes, a land of heroes and scoundrels and betrayers and champions, which is a nod to, you know, betrayers of Kamigawa, champions of Kamigawa. I saw someone comment somewhere earlier, oh, yeah, my favorite set, scoundrels of Kamigawa, which that got a chuckle out of me. But uh, then Elish Norn continues and says, you know, okay, so your family. Oh, because Tamio, you know, says some something about family. And she says, your family, right. Do you still care for your family? And Tamio watches that woman on the street with her children, and she pauses. And she says, oh, I want them to, you know, come to understand the world the way I do, and, you know, unity, blah, blah, blah. And Ellis Norton says, okay, you, you get it. Um, you know, our family is great and all, all of that. And it says here, you know, there's no true silence in the beating metal heart of Phyrexia. Metal slides on metal, and people go about their holy work. Uh, yet the silence that followed Norn's words is all the same. Tamio watches the screen and makes no sign that she's heard Norn's command. Oh, because Norn says, uh, our family is greater than they've ever known. Welcome the old into the new with open arms, Tamio. And she pauses... And then it's like, oh, shit. And Atraxa kind of flies in, in front of the screen and Tamio, you know, kind of snaps out of it back into the Phyrexian and goes to, uh, goes to Kamigawa, which I think, you know, likely it is also noted here somewhere that Elishnorn said, oh, yeah, you know, Nissa's Nissa's really something. You know, Jace is really something. And uh, Tamio... Might you know Tamio is my favorite currently, but it could be you know either of these two. Or I don't remember which. I think it's Nissa that she says that about, but I know she says Tamio is her favorite. Of note, of like massive note. At some point in here, Jace planes walks away, just kind of has a mental conversation with Norn, which we Norn, which we don't get to see, and that's extremely concerning because like my whole thing with you know Jace has always been okay, you know, you're Jace, you have telepathy, you know, mind magic. Well, Jace, from essentially just going and wreaking a lot of havoc, I mean, he can create an illusion that just says, hey, you know, the oil is is actually water, and people start drinking it, and then everyone dies, the entire populace dies. 
Uh, Jace is very powerful. He has a moment in the Phyrexia All Will Be One story where he says, you guys have no idea precisely how much of my time goes into ensuring that I don't completely destroy everything that's around me. He's very powerful. That's going to be an obstacle. Um, I'd started to say before, I think Tamio might come out of this and, uh, you know, retain maybe the physical augmentations, but regain her uh, mental you know, non-Frexian mental composure. But anyway, um, Ajani, she starts kind of playing with him and saying, Ajani, what am I going to ask you? And he assumes, well, show you the place where I was born, obviously. She says, nope, that's not what I want from you. Where else might I want to send you? And he says, Theros. She says, yep, that's exactly right. So we get to see Theros and you know, what what happens there. And an interesting point here, we see... Now, the picture is of Afara, which it's a, you know, stunning picture. I really, really like this picture. You can see Afara is slashing back at uh, some of the spikes that are on... Uh, what do you... What, uh, Realm Breaker, the, the tips of Realm Breaker with the, you know, spikes and the claws and all that. And you see her fighting back. But then in the text, they say it's a woman with a bident, which would make me think Thassa. But either way, it's clear it's a Theros god. And Elish Norn is pretty interested in them. And Ajani goes, oh, yes, we complete the populace. We complete the gods. It'll be great. Um, now, selfishly, my big concern here is Crufix. I have, you know, a huge love for Crufix. Uh, but also, I think he is an interesting part of this that I do kind of want to talk about for a second. Because... Crufix is the only being on Theros, you know, uniquely kind of situated in the entire multiverse that knows about Phyrexia. Um, you can see in Crufix's insight, you know, hey, take a shot whenever I mention that story. It's great. But you can see in Crufix's insight that he's been preparing for this invasion. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes into play. Has he told the other gods? Um, I do think there's going to be a decent amount of spotlight on Theros, which will be really cool. Um, you know, Essentially, what we see here is that... Well, actually, who who does Elish Norn actually tell this to? Because Ajani goes, and he brings a bunch of priests, and it's exciting. Oh, she's talking to Atraxa. And Atraxa basically is like, oh, wow, well, you know, why, why did... Uh, you know, I don't, or maybe it's Norn that says it. I don't know. At some point, we, we figure out it's not really... Uh, Theros that she's after, Elish Norn. You know, she just now kind of learns about, like, ooh, the gods, that could be a cool thing to complete. You know, if it were a brute thing, I'd send Luca, but I think Ajani's going to do well with this task. But again, it's not actually what she needed. What she needed is a trap for the one thing that actually scares Elish Norn, uh, Doomslayer. No, I'm just kidding. It's Elspeth. Uh, so essentially, she's sending Ajani there, Elspeth has a lot of personal ties there. She's going to bring Elspeth out of hiding. Well, where else might Elspeth care about? New Capenna. So, Atraxa, off you go. Atraxa goes to New Capenna. And, you know, Atraxa asks a question, which is permitted by Glorious Mother. And basically she says, yeah, you know, you're going to go and you're going to take out Halo. And she talks a little bit about the Phyrexians that were there before and how they failed and just recycle them. So I think Nukapenna also, you know, I think this is really setting the stage for what our, what our uh, actual focuses are going to be. I would expect 
because we definitely need a side story for each of the planes. Hang on a minute. I just made maybe a connection. Um, you know, that's okay. So here's what I'm just now thinking. So now I'm thinking, I think the commander decks usually, I mean, usually they do have a bit of a bearing on what, uh, what the side stories look like. Usually we'll get a story for each commander. And if you look, we've seen the packaging for the commander decks. It looks to me like we see in order, uh, what looks like a completed Brimaz, which would be Theros. It looks like a Zalfiran guard, possibly. Not totally sure where that one is from. Definitely a Kitsune, which would be from Kamigawa. We see what is for sure a Zendikari angel. Uh, some people have said Iona. Would be kind of cool to see, but it's definitely Zendikar. Um, and then a Kaladeshi gremlin. So... I mean, three out of five, pretty certain there, right? Johnny goes to Theros, uh, Tamiyo goes to Kamigawa, and Hiri goes to Zendikar. So I think it's fair to say those are going to be some of the central locations. We don't know where Jace goes, so that's interesting. We could see Jace. Imagine if Jace went to Zalfir. I mean, it's maybe possible. I don't know. But... I assume, you know, those are going to be some of the spotlight uh, planes of the entire invasion. But anyway, back to uh, the story. That was just a fun little thought that I had. Um, so then we, we see Atraxa go off to Nuka Pena. Uh, basically, the task is find the source of Halo and destroy it. And that's basically where episode one ends. Atraxa goes off and Elishnorn is left... Uh, it's interesting that you see a bit of anxiety in Elshnorn. Uh, it says at the end, the air is not quite silent in the sanctum. Norn hates it. With a gesture, she calls. Uh, with a gesture, she calls for her attendants. They arrive to recite her own thoughts and teachings to her in their screeching voices. Elishnorn forgets her nightmares and the woman who stalks them, cloaked in white. So. That's where episode one ends. Episode two, we open up with Chandra. And I, I gotta say, the characterization of Chandra is really, really spectacular in this. Normally we see Chandra being an impulsive, basically a child, uh, you know, a disaster at all times, fucking up one thing to the next. And after, you know, the completion of Ajani and the death of Jaya, her mentor, we see a new kind of Chandra, which is really interesting to me. Uh, we see her walking with and conversing with Ren, who's another real standout uh, character for me. We also see Liliana. Um, you know, Liliana, also kind of a changed woman. A lot of change going on here. Uh, but Liliana, who else is there? Vivian is there. Just kind of the rest of the folks that didn't go with the task force. Uh, essentially waiting to see how it went. And we see a scene between Chandra and uh, Ren, which kind of frames this whole narrative you'll see towards the end, about, you know, talking about how you control fire and kind of the similarities and differences between fire and, you know, a growing tree between destruction and creation. It's, you know, a fun little comparison there. And then... There, you know, going back and forth about that, Chandra's very anxious and, you know, recites 
her re- recounts rather how shitty uh, it's been two weeks apparently that all has been interesting I feel like the timing maybe I guess time moves different on each plane but uh, it's it's an interesting detail there we see that Tyvar comes back at some point and yeah okay so Tyvar comes back and that's that's where we learn how it went. It's uh it's it's pretty shitty. We see it dawn on Chandra that Nissa did not make it, which it's an interesting detail there. Nissa, you know, in Chandra is at all times an interesting thing cuz they were at least interested in each other and then Greg Weissman really put that to bed with the whole decidedly male like decidedly male gate where in War of the Spark, they basically retconned uh, Chandra's character to make her not, uh, you know, queer in any way, just that she likes straight manly men like Gideon. Uh, again, always going to rehash that whenever we get the chance. Decidedly male, one of the funniest things that's ever happened in Magic Story. Um, essentially, Tyvar, Kaya, and Kaito show up and say, we're not going back there. Uh, we're pretty fucked, we're losing, we lost that battle for sure, heavy losses, and they kind of go back and forth in the group to say, what you know, what the next play is. Chandra pretty vehemently says, I'm gonna go burn the world tree down, which, it, it kind of begs the question, why didn't she go with the strike team in the first place? It would have been, you know, one would think, really, really useful as a contingency, you know, you set off the Silex or don't. Chandra, we know Phyrexians are weak to fire after seeing how Jaya dealt with them in Dominaria United story. Like, you would think you'd want a Pyromancer on your side if you're going to Phyrexia Town. But, alas, uh, she decides now is the right time. Kaya, Kaito, and uh, Tyvar basically say no. Tyvar has this, you know, it's... It's kind of sad the way he says it, where he says, you know, uh, we we lost on the offensive. It's time to go on the defensive. Go to your homes. He says, uh, you know, go to your loved ones and die where your bones are at home. And that was, you know, poetic, but very sad. And uh, basically from there, we see Chandra, instead of just storming off, I mean, she is getting pretty hot and you know, annoyed with people saying, well, you know, it's a stupid idea to go back into New Phyrexia. But she's like, no, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go burn the world tree down. And she's not really hearing any of it. We get an illustration of Kaladesh in it. The art wasn't anything we haven't seen before. Uh, Nothing too spectacular. Just setting the stage, which makes sense. Um... Oh, I found the Tyvar. He says, Valor is commendable, but so is knowing which battles are yours to fight. Kaya and I are only here to tell you what happened. Go where you're needed, tend to your own, and die where your bones are at home. Just very sad. And Chandra says, this is everyone's battle, and I think it's a good point. It's, again, you know, we're seeing the divergence in school of thought between should we detonate the Silex, should we not? Should we go back to Dufraxia, should we not? I think... You know, they were being too conservative with this plan. Uh, It didn't work, I think, because they didn't go aggressively enough. 
but Chandra decides, no, I'm not going, uh, or, or, or sorry, I am going and I will go alone. And she starts walking away. Liliana says, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to Strixhaven. You know, that's where she feels she's needed. Interestingly, not Dominaria, but you know, someone needs to go to Strixhaven that can defend the place. Uh, so Chandra says, okay, you know, I need to walk for a minute and then I'm going to plans walk into hell. And then Ren comes and says, Hey, I think you were actually making a lot of sense. I'm going to go with you. I don't know why the others didn't see it that way. Um, it's, you know, an interesting, Ren has a really interesting way of looking at the world as a dryad, as, you know, uh, someone who is constantly, not, not, I don't want to say a parasite, but kind of a parasite. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship she tries to foster, but by nature of her existence, she's bonding with trees and she tries to take that into account. Oh, what did she say earlier that was so funny? When her and Chandra were talking, she Chandra was saying like, yeah, you know, you can't really control fire, you just have to direct it. And, uh, you know, when it's time, you can cut off the fire and kill it. She said, well, would that not be very rude to the fire? It reminds me of, like, Starfire from, like, the DC Universe, Teen Titans, like, the naivety there. It's interesting. And it it is also interesting to note that now it seems like Chandra is taking on a teacher role to Ren. And I was, I, I should look up. I don't know how old Ren is, uh, but I guess pretty, you know, assumingly she's kind of young and I guess maybe Chandra's on the older side or, you know, I guess that's just how she's coping with Jaya's death. We're getting a lot of flashbacks to Jaya's lessons. And then, uh, oh, Ren says, I know how to reach Teferi. I think I can do it, but I need help. So Teferi's going to get pulled into this. Definitely going to be one of the bigger characters. Uh, you know, Elspeth also probably going to be one of the bigger characters, but I guess they're kind of assuming she's dead in universe. It makes sense. But you know, with our meta context, yeah, we know Elspeth is going to come back. Uh, Norn notably doesn't think she's dead, so that's that's kind of an interesting detail because she did walk away with a bomb, but I guess Norn isn't too bothered by that, or I guess she's extremely bothered by that. Uh, Ren does say that Realmbreaker is alive, and essentially her plan is to go merge with it. So that's basically where we leave off uh, story two. I feel like the recap was a little shorter than one. Uh, it was more of a talky kind of episode. I would recommend you read both of these. They're written by K. Arsenal Rivera, who wrote, I think, the past, or no, the present stories, rather, of The Brothers' War, which I really, really enjoyed. So I would recommend the read there. Uh, they're actually not terribly long, but I think that's going to be about it for today. I'm going to you know, keep this one pretty brief. Hoping to do these every day. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. Please, you know, like, share, uh, subscribe if that's a thing that you do. I think it is on Spotify. Follow, whatever, uh, you know, rate the podcast on Spotify. That's really helpful. I'm going to really try and start pushing this out there to people and, uh, you know, market it a little bit. So if you're new here, welcome. Uh, you know, we got four other episodes in the in the vault. So hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. This has been Poor Man's Lore. See you tomorrow.